The Chaser Report is sponsored by Sucking Up to Personal Heroes. Why not watch Rosehaven's grand finale at 9pm tonight on ABC? I love you, Luke McGregor. Striving for mediocrity in a world of excellence, this is The Chaser Report. Hello and welcome to The Chaser Report for Wednesday the 22nd of September. I'm Dom Knight. Hello, Gabby Bolt. Hello. How are you, Dom? I am very, very well, having recovered from the surgery I didn't have yesterday. <laughs> when you and Lachlan started off the ep. Yeah, look, it was a cheap joke. It's beautiful work on that, but I'm afraid that I am back. And there's so much to talk about today because from out of nowhere, Gladys made things kind of nice for parents, which is not what she normally does these days. Yeah, that's not really her vibe. What did she do? She made it so that school kids could have buddy bubbles, which is the most cringe-inducing term possible. Basically, if you've got a kid in school or anyone below the age of 18, they can nominate three other friends and play with them during the holidays, which potentially is awesome for the kids. But imagine the social pressure of having to choose your three best friends and hope that it all overlaps. God, that's going to cause some friendship distraction, isn't it? I can imagine. I I had one best friend when I was growing up, but there's no way. There's no way I could have worked out a group of three. That would not have happened. No. no, see, that's why you always limit your friend groups to four. The really awkward thing is once you've picked, you can't <laughs> change. It's got to be permanent for the whole holidays. Oh, gosh. Oh, what if they had a falling out over the holidays and then you're stuck? Because they do. Like, kids have huge fights. This is like the Hunger Games. Yeah, we're going to see another world war over this. I think so. But the other thing is, imagine the awkwardness of the parents. Unfortunately, my daughter's too young for this, but I'm imagining Charles. The awkwardness (laughs) of negotiating with the parents, not only over who the best friend is, because you can so imagine, like, little Timmy wants to hang out with little um, Jess. And Jess's Jess's parents are like, oh, Jess just isn't that into you, little Timmy. But then they've got to be doubly vaxxed as well so you've got to have that conversation as well and we're all heading to this point like every time you go into a shop the poor shop owner is going to have to ask are you vaccinated this Uh, is just going to become a thing we have to talk about yeah look and i also think it'd be pretty pretty awful for any kids that are best friends but one of the families just happened to be anti-vax like why can't i hang out with rain anymore dad oh well (laughs) rain believes that um ivermectin will cure all the problems (laughs) yeah rain's on ivermectin you don't want to get yeah yeah and then also um i I've heard already about conversations where people are like, oh, I'm not vaccinated yet, but I'm not an anti-vaxxer. It's just that I haven't been able to get the right one and all this kind of stuff. It, everyone's yeah. got to give their full medical history whenever you just want to have a, a play at the park. Yeah. But you know what? As an extrovert myself, I'm glad that I'm living through the era of oversharing. Finally. Like, yes. finally, I'm not going to leave a gathering feeling like I said too much. Because <laughs> yeah. now we're all sharing our blood types and our vax records. It'll be great. You can just say whatever you want. So, yes, that's true. If you are socially awkward, this is going to be hell the next few months. Like, just get vaccinated. Vaccinated inside home anyway, I reckon. But if you're an overtalker like me, you're about to thrive. Let me tell you, we've been shut out too long. <laughs> Let's role play it. It's okay, Gabby. Um, think of having a picnic picnic with you, but what's your mm. status? Oh, okay. So I was single for a while. Then I was in a relationship. It got a little bit complicated, and then I went to the doctor because I had like this weird freckle that I thought might be melanoma. But it turns out not melanoma. I'm just not supposed to have freckles on the bottom of my feet. And then he said, "Oh, well, look, we can do a biopsy if you want." And I went, "You know what? If I am cancerous, I'd rather just live my life knowing." that I'm not going to die. So I left and I never went back. And then I had a stomach bug for a while and I also had food poisoning for around 48 hours. It was pretty rough, but it was okay because the paramedic gave me the green whistle and then called my work for me and said, you can't go in. And it was great. This is like four years ago, by the way. So it'll take me a second to catch up. Yeah, I don't think we need to catch up anymore. I think we just did. (laughs) Coming up on the show today, we have a quite special guest, actually, American musical comedian Nick Lutzko. 
talks to Xander and I about his political satire of American politics, which is a, a playground to my ears. Um, I love yeah, his so- Donald Trump Jr. song. Also, Alex takes a look at the big protests that have been going on in Melbourne. But first, we're going to head to Rebecca Dayunamuno in the Chase and Newsroom. But actually, Dob, that's a really good opportunity. While these breaks are playing, I can tell you more about that mole on the bottom of my foot that I thought was Where's the end call button? Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Scott Morrison's week-long vacation in America has been given an essential two-day extension so that Scott is able to take part in crucial sightseeing and photo ops. After finalising details for the AUKUS treaty, Scott plans on visiting some family gravestones for his second cousin's roommate's great-granddad, as well as doing a cheeky pub crawl for old time's sake. As of today, children have been allowed to visit their peers with the government legislating for new friendship bubbles. The decision has been met with strong support from parents, so long as it's their kids going to another family instead of having some other selfish bastard trying to palm off their little brats. The lucrative Everest horse race will go ahead next month as long as all attendees meet vaccination requirements, including the horses. Racehorse owners have agreed to allow their horses to receive shots on the racecourse in front of the crowd and weren't fussed whether it's done by injection or by bullet. Those are the latest headlines from The Chaser Report. I'm Rebecca Dayunamuno. This episode is sponsored by Sucking Up to Personal Heroes. Lou McGregor is genuinely one of the most authentic, hilarious and amazing people that I've ever had the pleasure of wanting to meet. So if you're Luke or a friend of Luke's, why not reach out so we can be pals? I will be waiting by the phone. The paradigm of absolute control. And that's why we're just out here doing simple things, pointing out that we're meant to be in nature and be natural. And this is where we find the source that God made to transcend the new world order. And that's why they want to try to keep us out of it. I'm angry. Right now we're giving you a quick short clip from our interview with Nick Lutzko in today's bonus episode. Nick is a musical comedian from the United States and has done everything from turning Trump's tweets into an emo rock song to adapting the rants of crazy conspiracy theorist Alex Jones into a folk song. He really shot to prominence last year with his songs during the US election. Nick, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm a new father. I'm somewhat sleep deprived, um, but I'm enjoying life. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, I know you're known for your musical comedy, obviously, but I, I just want people to understand, any, any of our listeners understanding, that the production quality on the songs you make is absolutely insanely professional. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I got into music for, like, I never even, like, envisioned that I would be doing anything related to comedy. And in some ways, I guess you could say I'm a bit of a failed musician who pivoted into comedies. Your songs have had a lot of different targets over the last year, from wanting to play at Joe Biden's inauguration to hosting Saturday Night Live. What's the process in finding a topic for a song? 
it, it's almost like I, I have to wake up and be inspired by whatever people are talking about that day. Like, like with Joe Biden's inauguration, first of all, the insurrection of January 6th, um, but I feel like every American was kind of dealing with the trauma of that. And although the, the, the song has its own like subtext of like why I'm in a neck brace and I have a black eye, I feel like all Americans felt like they'd just been beaten up after four years of Trump, it, you know, like I, without getting into the weeds of all the background and the lore of everything, but it was like, okay, how can I use the current event that a lot of people are talking about to tell my own stupid story around this strange character that I've kind of created. If you want to hear more of that interview, you can check out the bonus episode in your podcast feed right now. And if you want to hear more of Nick's work, you can check him out, Nick Lutzko, on Spotify, Bandcamp, YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The Chaser Report. News you can't trust. There's a huge protest that's been going on in Melbourne over the past few days. Crowds have been marching on the CBD. Rubber bullets, smashed windows, things like that. Not the kind of thing you would imagine would happen. In a lockdown, Alex has been taking a look at this. Hey, Alexa. Hey, hey, yeah, yeah. It's very, very uncomfortable stuff, a little bit spooky. Um, <laughs> but it all seems to centre around, at least for now, around the CFMEU, which is a construction union. Essentially, I mean, they're one of the most militant unions in Australia. They're yeah. not afraid to arc up um, for their rights. They've got a lot of enemies. And generally known for putting in windows rather than taking them out with rocks. <laughs> Exactly. That's called renewable work. Yeah. It? You it's, break windows, then you have to rebuild them, don't It's you? a cycle. It's a cycle of life in the CFMEU. But um, th- this week they kind of became the focal point of COVID protests. I think one of the main issues is that during COVID, construction has continued. But the CFMEU is in a bit of a bind um, and it's trying really hard to stall between vaccinations and anti-vax sentiment. It's, it's really tricky, right? As a union, I guess they've got a duty to keep their, their workers safe, which means making sure everyone's vaccinated and people aren't exposed to COVID at the workplace. But they're also in a bind because they can't be seen as allowing employees to kind of arbitrarily discriminate between and fire workers you know, because they're not vaxxed. That is an awkward dilemma. So what they've been doing essentially is just stalling um, nonstop. They've tried really, really hard to not alienate any segment of the union. What, builders stalling? I was going to say, a true tradie fashion, putting work off. That's not like them. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I mean, they, they were well-practiced, but it all it all kind of fucked up on, on Monday. What happened? Well, there was a big big old protest. Um, th- there's, there was a mandate that came out, I think, by September 23rd. Um, all construction workers had to have at least one vaccine dose to be allowed on site. A lot of these anti-vaxxers were furious. They showed up at the CFMU headquarters and... Yeah, the the union boss shows up. John Setka tries to talk to them um, and he was essentially overwhelmed, had bottles thrown at him. So he retreated back inside and yeah, violence broke out. There were rubber bullets, police came and suppressed it. But the the weird part here is that after that, everyone in the union movement started making claims about this protest, um, that it was organised by 
non-union far-right agitators. Really? Yeah, so the the leader, um, John Setka, called them drunken fascist un-Australian morons. (laughs) Uh, Bill Shorten called them man-baby Nazis. (laughs) There are a lot of idiots where if they thought it was an anti-vaccination protest would just come out and get on board. Like, I mean, TikTok guy, if he was not in hospital with COVID... (laughs) He'd be there. Oh, you'd put on the high vis. Yeah, for sure. Can I just point out, sorry, a tradie is actually leaf blowing on my roof. They've just started and it might, I don't know if you can hear it, but it might be a baby fascist wanting to interrupt our conversation. I think it is. I think it is. They're very well organised. You mentioned the CFMEU and within a moment a tradie just starts fucking up your conversation <laughs> like Beetlejuice. They're onto us. I mean, I, I don't think it's, it, it's not such an absurd claim, right? There's a lot of weird stuff about this protest. Um... I mean, the first one I noticed is their branding. Um, I don't know if you guys have spent much time hanging out with CFMEU members, but um, they... (laughs) Height of my party life, Alexa. Yeah, union members. Oh, mate. (laughs) They're super keen on branding. They've like constantly... They've got so much merch and they love it. But at this protest, there's not much CFMEU merch. People Ah. were just wearing high vis. And then you had like the Telegram channels, um, which are, you know... I guess, like, right-wing social media. They had all these protest pamphlets distributed on there that said, um, protest at the CFMEU, bring high viz. Right. So it might actually have been infiltrated rather than just a bullshit claim. Well, from what I understand, there are obviously a lot of unionists who are anti-vaxxers, but um, the the idea is that a lot of people were there that weren't part of it. Normally, the kind of people who pretend to be, like, far-left, genuine trade union people are are middle-class Labor MPs, but... um, (laughs) <laughs> this is a nice change, at least. No, everyone's everyone's getting involved on the on the fake tradey stuff. Now, if you look through the crowd, you'll find the who's who of anti-vax right-wing grifters and influencers who obviously aren't tradies. But the most exciting person you could see in the crowd was um, Lizzie Rose. Does that name ring a bell? Not at all. Well, maybe if you listen to her talking. It is in breach of the 1948 Charter of Human Rights to discriminate against... Men and women. Bunnings Karen. Oh, was I was just going to say. Gonna be Karen. But yeah, I mean, she's definitely not a CFMEU member, but she was out in high vis at the, at the protest on Monday. Amazing. I'm happy that she's moved on from buying tools to becoming one, you know? <laughs> like, good for her. But yeah, I mean, it just gets weirder and weirder. Even even their chants were a bit off. It's one of the weirdest bits. Um, one of the dudes from this protest comes up and grabs the, the megaphone and starts, you know, geeing everyone up with these chants that are like suspiciously... Opposed to, to any general CFMEU chance. We'll play one here. What? I don't I don't believe that gentleman has a uh, a union members card on him, uh, Alexa. <laughs> I mean, it's it's so wild because he's de- standing there next to John Setka, who's the the leader of the CFMEU, and this guy, you know came to prominence as a heavyweight in the Builders Labourers Federation, which was a Maoist union. Like, they were, uh, (laughs) like, not even communists. They were the most extreme of the extreme. So it's just like... The the kind of people who go, look, communism's a bit soft. We're Maoists. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Let's take a great leap forward and go on a long march. (laughs) That's exactly. So it's just just really, really bizarre to see. But um, I think out of all those things, the biggest clincher of all for me that made it clear that these weren't unionists um, was the fact that they all showed up to the event at the correct time. (laughs) That makes no sense. Like, I'm sorry, I I worked as a casual labourer throughout my uni days. Absolutely no one's ever done that before. That's... I just don't buy it. 
I don't buy it Surely at all. <laughs> actual union members would have been like, we'll, we'll arrive sometime between 7 and 12 and then turn, yeah. turn up at 2, right? <laughs> yeah, so it's just it's just incredibly suspicious. But um, this protest got quite out of hand. Um, there was a lot of violence and essentially the Victorian government comes out and says, now we're shutting down all construction sites for the next two weeks. Woo, good protest, guys. <laughs> yeah, great you, work. You crushed it. And that just, I mean, invigorated a lot of people, pissed a lot of people off, so... Yesterday we had protests again, even even bigger, and not just at the CFMU headquarters, but now they're they're marching all throughout town. Double whammy. Yeah, it was actually it was pretty terrifying to be honest. Um, here's a clip of, of one of the journalists being attacked yesterday. The crowd is certainly getting bigger, and they're very passionate. They're, so I've just been struck in the back of a, a back back of a head by a can. I'm not sure whether you saw that, mate. Are you okay, Paul? Uh, Are that you okay? really hurt, and I'm going to go back to you, Mike. Oh, that's not that's I not hope okay. Paul's okay. Cans are for for drinking on a work site, not for throwing. I was kind of doubting their tradie credentials, but the can was a can of mother. So very possible that, that that these are the real deal. Did it have Siggy butts at the bottom of it? Oh, man. Um, unfortunately, Paul Dowsley from Channel 7 did not inspect the can enough. Oh, um, man. Talk about investigative journalism. <laughs> a couple of months ago, I remember in Sydney, there was another protest featuring construction workers after the business was shut down here for a couple of weeks. And they just got on the Anzac Bridge and were just tooting their horns. In unison. I, I just I didn't see Bunnings carrying anywhere. How'd they get away with that? How did you know that was a protest? Isn't that just what the Anzac Bridge is like <laughs> most of the time? Hang on, Alexa. If they've shut down the industry for the next two weeks, doesn't that mean that as well as all these weird baby fascists, actual construction workers are going to be really angry and have time to march on the streets of Melbourne? Yeah, they've got nothing else to do. Although I'd like to think they'd be following behind and fixing all the windows. <laughs> and there's no work, make work for yourself. <laughs> Send the bill to Dan Andrews. <laughs> no, but, but before we go, um, I want to say it wasn't all doom and gloom and, and violence. It was actually a pretty cute moment at the pinnacle of the protest. Really? Uh, How, oh, yeah. These people don't sound cute so far, Alexa. Oh, just wait and see. This is what they did. All these high-vis boys were blocking off Westgate Bridge and singing. Singing Daryl Braithwaite. I mean, I know people love that song all over the country for some strange reason, but that's bizarre. I mean, it's, it's definitely it's definitely not a union song, I don't think. No, it's not the internationale, <laughs> is it? But, I mean, it's a pretty great anti-vax anthem, isn't it? How is... That's not fair to Daryl Braithwaite, isn't it? It's about riding horses and yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought it was a song about Ivermectin. I thought it was about <laughs> taking horse to Wormer. <laughs> I'm way off. Oh, no. Actually, Daryl, if you're listening, just get those horses deworm, mate. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This episode is sponsored by getting contacted by a personal hero's agent requesting that you stop harassing them. And for legal reasons, Luke McGregor does not affiliate himself with any of the opinions voiced in the Chaser Report. Sorry, Luke. 
Dom, just before we go, I found what I think is my favorite sports news story ever. And I don't even follow sports, so there's really not much competition, but it, this nothing can top this. What happened? Well, the Bristol Half Marathon happened this weekend, but it was the first time that they put two different kinds of races on the same day. There was the 10-kilometer race and the half marathon race. Anyway, the winner of the half marathon is a guy called Omar Ahmed, and he never, ever expected to win at all because he thought he'd entered the 10-kilometer race. You're kidding. No. And what's crazy is he realized halfway through running the race after asking how much longer is there to go, and somebody had to tell him, you're in the half marathon, mate. And he won. That's insane. So I'm just doing the math. So 10K... But then yeah. her half marathon must be 21K or so. Yeah. So this guy ran and more than won. double what he was expecting and won anyway. He fully won. He was an accidental winner of a half marathon. And the craziest part is they've stripped him of the title. No. He got disqualified. Why? Because he technically didn't enter the right race. You've got to be kidding. <laughs> That's ridiculous. But they have invited him to compete again next year. And they, they have said it was a great feat. But I, Justice Baroma, I'm sad. Yeah, no, I'm going. I'm not going on strike. I'm not running any marathons till this uh, injustice yeah. is rectified. My favourite story, I think, Gabby, is the revelation that in May this year, mm. there was a giant burnout done by a Ferrari in the Sydney CBD. That's and look, there's a whole thing where there are charges and the person, someone didn't disclose who was the driver and all this kind of stuff. But I kind of like the fact that Sydney CBD is so empty that in the middle of the day, you can just do a burnout in a city street and no one even finds out for months. Yeah, that's crazy. More importantly, why would you burn out in a Ferrari? They're not good for burnouts. That's a very good point. Like imagine how much the tyres cost in a Ferrari. Yeah, burnouts are only good in the shittest car possible. It's going to be like a 99 Nissan or something. Yeah, you're supposed to do like in a Tirana or something. Yeah. Like if the lights work, if the interior lights work, it's not good enough for a burnout. <laughs> Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. Today's code word is... Burnout. Burnout. When, whether the work kind or the car kind. Yes, exactly. Please subscribe or follow us in your app of choice. Our gurus from Road Microphones. We're part of the ACAST Creator Network. Catch you tomorrow. See ya.